Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. Well, hello again. This is Black Benny speaking. I am joined with Kathy Polisili, John Henderson, and we're presenting one of these unique oddities that exists in the world of Jack Benny. This is uh, a program from what I've been reading about it and things. It sounds like it was created in 1950, right, right, like right around the time of his, of his television series. And then it wasn't shown on TV or anything. It was like passed around to like churches would show it and things um, as a, I assume a 16 millimeter film or something. And it was presented that way. And then in, I think, 52-ish, it got its first showing on television. And then they showed it a few times on television. Probably my guess would be when they had a hole in their schedule and were like, we need to put something in here. So let's throw this in here. Um, it's a, a unique piece of history. And uh, we'll just start talking about it and see where we go from there. So uh, it, I, I will say probably... Um, as you're watching this as a Benny fan, it might be like one of the most jarring things you'd watch. Just, it just seems out of character and out of what we're used to seeing, Jack. It's just different. So, uh, but we'll go from there. John, what were your takes on this? Had you seen it before? And, and what were your thoughts on it? I had not seen it before. It was not the funniest episode of Jack Benny that I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it, it was really strange. And I didn't know going into it what, it was. Well, I, I guess I we need to talk about its title first. I mean, I, I don't hear It's called We Can Change the World, I think. You Can Change the World, yeah. 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 And uh, I thought, I mean, the opening title is interesting. Uh, it must be the billing in order of appearance because it starts with Rochester on top. Uh, but it's not a comedy. They, they throw a couple of jokes in there. They're not even that funny. I feel like they really could have, you know, made this a lot more entertaining even if they wanted to get a message across and you got jack benny in there you know but what are you going to do you this is at a very specific purpose yes and it seemed like the purpose was in a sense to combat against communist influence in the united states right you got the red scare going on and history of sort has sort of said that you know, McCarthyism and blacklisting, you know, it was, they were doing all these things and, and encringing on people's freedoms and things, which, you know, I agree with was a, a terrible thing. But at the same time, there were actual communists, member of the, members of the Communist Party who were seeking positions of influence in the United States. And there's a great old radio show, I Was a Communist for the FBI, <laughs> which was uh, the experience of Matt Svetic, I, that's, I think, a fake name, but he's undercover with the, the communists. So that's a great old radio show. Right. This is the same time period. And I do like that the approach that this film presents is rather than trying to fight the communists, instead, do what they're doing and have good people, you know, find those positions of influence. And that's sort of the, the point of the film. It's, hey, if you're a good person, if you're a, a Christian and you believe that, you know, you, you, you people, even if you're not a Christian, although we're mainly aiming at Roman Catholics, but even if you're, you know, a, yeah. a good American, 
with American values become a teacher or a mayor or a script writer or whatever. And then that will help us fight the communist influence. Right. And then I think at the same time, it was all these performers jumping on this ship that was your kind of your way of saying, hey, don't investigate me. I'm on board with I'm on the right side of history here or whatever. And so, uh, you know, and it's you can't. Folks will look at this and I even saw on or you know, on YouTube where, of course, the discussion's interesting at the uh, on this video. But for me, it's always I, I don't like judging things from the past, like with my current sensibilities and everything. I have to go, what if I was there? I mean, it's just in our country. I mean, John's Canadian and things, but in our country, we've got a lot going on right now that people are saying, oh, the other side is terrible and the other side is terrible. And oh, my gosh, this is, uh, you know, this election, this is right before the election. We're going to have election next week. And so we're well, a lot of us are loving the fact that all the voting things that I, I don't even know if there are television shows anymore. I think it's just one voting uh, advertisement. <laughs> There's no show. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, It'll be nice to have those gone and off the, out of the way. I mean, I, 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 they're they're battling so hard, and I just don't know if anybody is left that hasn't made the decision of what they're doing. Uh, but having said all that, when I look at this history, I go, if I was there, if I was living within that, and and uh, I, I'm surprised people knew kind of at that time. These these people in this video uh, kind of knew. Well, we better establish something here because if we get accused of being a communist, some folks were blacklisted up until from from like if you were said you were a communist in 1950 and you were a writer of movies, whatever. I mean, think of uh, what is it, Trumbo or whatever it was, right? The, all the, the yeah, that that all of a sudden you're going to have 15 years of your productive creative life that you you're not going to get anything done that everybody's going to reject everything you do and no one's going to accept any of it and then maybe in 1965 67 all of a sudden they'll start paying attention to you again or forgiving you or moving on or whatever but that's a long time that i mean if jack i'm kind of glad jack was on this show if that's helped him right because if jack would have been accused of being a communist we would his whole television show probably wouldn't have existed because they wouldn't have done anything till after 19 you'd have maybe his specials if that but he would have been out of the public eye for 15 years and he's an old guy i i think he would have been done so jumping on here it's strange to see a jewish person on this whole thing that is focused on christianity and focused on catholics and all of that but anyway kathy what are your thoughts well uh I, I thought the, the the little thing was uh, fascinating, um, especially if we put it into the context of all these Orson Welles commentaries from um, just a little bit, the couple of years before. And, and we've been talking about uh, Orson Welles sort of being really specific to the ending of World War II and the fears about um, that fascism isn't dead and that you know that's uh and and what's going to happen to the country i thought it was really interesting that keller is really pushing back against hitler here you know hitler 
wasn't a communist. Uh, but uh, right. uh, so he's, he's pushing back against Hitler and Karl Marx. Instead, of, I don't think he ever says Russians. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a mixed message. But I thought in part his propaganda was gentle and aiming for interracial cooperation. He's, yeah. you know, um, Rock Eddie Anderson is playing, you know, is the first yeah. person scene. And uh, some a couple of the examples. And like you said, the, the first person gives. that credits, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, and he's talking about interracial cooperation and this sort of gentle thing about good people going into jobs, how many schools are closed and mm -hmm. how many... Um, you know, uh, 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 good teachers are needed. Right. Um, you can go on the internet and find that the Christophers is still a going organization. They give out Father Keller medals to people they, uh, you know, who especially fit these ideals. So um, I was curious. I had thought it would be George O'Brien who was speaking, but they mentioned somebody, the actor who is um, uh, presenting all the stuff from the Declaration of Independence um, is named Paul. Did anybody recognize what actor that was? I'll have to go back and look at the cast. I was just curious. Though. I believe he was an actor that wasn't blacklisted. So, <laughs> oh. That's But I was intrigued by, um, uh, indeed, bringing in the Catholic elements. And Blythe was... Um, related by marriage to Dennis Day. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that connection was interesting. And Loretta Young was a very prominent uh, 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 Catholic uh, um, identifying movie star. I was intrigued that William Holden was there going, oh, is he Catholic? And and then um, how interesting that, that Jack Benny would be there. Um, it plays into his, um, uh, the, his public identity as downplaying his Judaism, but also really not denying it, but really Jack always pushed sort of interfaith cooperation and interracial yeah. cooperation. Yeah. So um, for it, what it, it's it, worth, I was glad you were there. Odd though, it is odd that the film is so religious and Jack's sort of just kind of nodding along when he himself is not a religious person at all. Uh, I don't yeah. think so. Right. Uh, yeah. Or at least that's our impression. Certainly the character was not. And then Jack, I, I Jack, Jack's private life is still oh, strangely, so much of it is kind of a mystery. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody said, oh, he went to this synagogue and he went every week and he went, you know, whatever. And I'd be like, okay. And, and, but I don't, there's just a lot I don't know. And certainly in all the books about him, none of them have been like a ultra straightforward on the nose. This is a biography and this is about his whole life and everything. Every one of them, even the one Jack wrote, is sort of about his well, public uh, life and about his We, we, we may learn more in the future. So, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I, guess I love we'll Kathy's I, little... I, I, he was, he sort of like... You know, he he uh, acknowledges his Jewish roots and yes. sort of the culture, but not necessarily the the faith in a regular practice. Right, he's not playing it um uh like Eddie Cantor put right. it uh you know front and center of his public persona. I Jack was quietly supportive of uh, of of uh, Jewish charities and things like that. And as I said, I think it's possible we'll learn a bit more. 
about his his private feelings, but uh, I, I think he was not um, super observant. Let's just yeah. say so. I sure hope that's going to happen, Kathy. That would be <laughs> that would be really nice. Yeah. It'll be really nice. Well, but we shall see. There's a lot of people involved, I know. So, yeah. And I should clarify, um, yeah. I live in Canada, but I am an American, and I'm certainly not a Red. So. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Thank for goodness. pointing that out. We were, we were concerned. <laughs> anyway, with that, we'll let you enjoy this. It, it's different. I I, I think it's a... To me, it's a worthwhile watch just just for the historic piece of it, and then seeing Jack's involvement in it. it and it's always kind of it. It's not like John says. There's not much humor that lands in it, but it has this inadvertent comedy that comes about it in its earnestness and things that sometimes is is interesting. Or the the you know I've been thinking about this. <laughs> what do you think? And then they toss it off to to the what is he reverend i don't whatever whatever he, he, he is father, but, father, father, yeah. and then he runs with it for 20 minutes and then they'll come back to the group and the group will be like what about this oh okay and boom and then he runs again so it's just it's just setting him up to to do his home runs it's the softball pitches to him that um, they're supposed to be doing for it so uh yeah it's entertaining enough and 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 i it's one of these that i was like okay well, I felt bad. I was like, oh, I should have aired this a few weeks ago when it was 19, when we were going through 1950 or something. But then I thought, actually, this, the way this thing was made and released, anytime from 50 to 52 is about right. So sure. I figure uh, its timeline kind of falls within where we're at it right now with the shows anyway. So it's okay. And, and, oh, and just so you know, going forward for my listeners slash viewers, um, then we'll be trying to present Jack chronologically. So it's not always his shows. Sometimes it's guest appearances he does. Sometimes we, pre we played uh, his appearance on Frank Sinatra a few weeks ago and, and things. And so we've got ones coming up in 54. He appears on uh, Bing Crosby's first television show. We'll have that. And I mean, I'm sure we'll miss some along the way, but we're generally trying to present kind of a chronological overview of Jack's career and what we have available to us. So. And if uh, I miss something and you guys know about it in the audience, email me or whatever so that I know. I would love to know and try and find it and present that. So anyway, enjoy and we'll see you folks next time. Remember, if you want to watch these shows on Spotify, if on the app, whether it's on a phone, whether it's on your computer, whatever, it'll play it so you can actually watch us and see our wonderful shining faces and also watch Jack Benny's show. I don't know which you'd rather see as us or Jack, whatever. And then, uh, or if you're listening to it anywhere else, you may listen to it and that's fine too. So. And I really, this one, I guess, if I was to say, listening to it as kind of a radio show you're just hearing probably would be fine. I don't think there's anything visual that you necessarily, it's a, a bunch of talking, so it's all good. And we'll see you folks next time.
Miss Loretta Young? Mr. Bailey's having some people over here at the house tonight, and he'd like to know if you would come. Uh-oh. Uh, Miss Young, Mr. Bailey told me to tell you that would be after dinner. That's right. Goodbye. Hello, Miss Irene Dunn? Uh, this is Rochester over at Mr. Benning's house. Uh, he'd like to know if you could come over tonight. Uh, he told me to be sure to tell you that that... Oh, that's right. I forgot. You, you've been here before. Goodbye. <laughs> Cigarette, anyone? Thanks, Paul. Uh-uh. There aren't any. Oh, that's our Jack. Mm-hmm. Here, Bill. Well, hello, everybody. Oh, Glad hi. you could come. Everybody comfortable? Yes, yes. Good, good. A cigarette, Jack? No, oh, thank you. Hmm. Now, the reason I asked you all over here is because I want you to meet Father James Keller, who is coming by in just a few minutes. He wants to talk to you about making a movie. Now, I know that everybody in Hollywood wants to make a movie, but uh, this fellow happens to have a very good idea for one. You see, uh, Father Keller is the head of the Christophers. Now, as, uh, as some of you may know, the main idea behind this movement is to encourage more good, decent, normal people to uh, take up careers that strongly affect the fate of this country. Uh, like, uh, well, like uh, education, government, uh, labor management, and in the fields of writing, like newspapers, books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and television. Now, I, I know this is a pretty big order, but the Christopher movement has been sweeping the country. Uh, so much so that uh, it has reached a point where Father Keller has been able to cover only a small portion of the invitations for talks on the Christophers. And he thinks that a picture explaining the idea would be a good substitute for a talk. I think it's a good idea. I think it's an excellent idea. Well, it's Father Keller. Oh, hello, Father. Hello, Father. I suppose Jack told you that the chief purpose of the Christophers is to get more people of high purpose into the vital fields that affect, for better or for worse, the lives of the majority of mankind. The fields of teaching, government, writing, labor, social service, and library work. And Jack mentioned that... Uh, we were interested in one picture. As a matter of fact, uh, I'd be interested in lots of pictures on the Christopher idea because I don't know of any medium in which we could reach the millions of people more effectively through the motion pictures. Uh, Anne, you seem to have a question. Well, you know, I suppose it is a good thing to get into one of those fields, but Father, it's not quite so easy for young people to get any kind of job these days. Well, that's just the point, Anne. As long as it is difficult, why not try for a job that counts? Instead of just taking something that where you're filling in time between 9 and 5, why not get a job where you're doing something, a job with a purpose? Oh, a job with a purpose. So you can whistle while you work. Yes, very good, Anne. That's the way to put it. Whistle while you work. Uh, but it's really much more than that, too. I'm convinced we're on the brink of the greatest peace the world has ever seen, or the worst disaster. You make it sound like a matter of life and death, Father. But, Bill, I, I really feel it is. Here we are in the greatest country in the world, 
about the only country left intact. And whether we like it or not, I'm afraid, as America goes, so goes the world. My father, that's a frightening thought. Yes, Loretta, but a glorious challenge. It's a wonderful time to be alive. Just think, a little handful of people can change the whole course of history. Well, maybe more than a handful. I mean, just that, a handful. One percent is nothing more than a handful. And just think what that one percent has been doing to mess up the world. And they get in the fields that count. That's right. You never see any of those... Pardon me, Father. Chaps out at the ball game selling hot dogs. No, you don't. You're right you are, Paul. They're in there pitching. Call them what you like. They have one thing in common. They hate the basic truth in which our nation is founded, that every human being is a child of God, that he gets his rights from God, and that the purpose of state is to protect those God-given rights. They, every one of them, get into fields where they can eliminate that truth. So the purpose of the Christopher movement is to spark enough people to get them into the same fields and work as hard to build as they do to destroy. Yes, Bill, that's just it. I'm really convinced that we can find enough people who will be fired with the love of God and country who will gladly get into these vital fields, dedicate their lives, and get into government and teaching and all the rest of these important spheres and work hard to keep in there that basic truth in which our country is founded, to be for what these other people are against, and number one item is the Declaration of Independence. No, that's not everything, but it's mighty important. I don't think many people realize the close connection that the founders of our country explicitly stated was between God and country. Over and over again, they emphasized that was the cornerstone of our liberty. Then four times in the Declaration of Independence, they repeated over and over again that our liberty depends upon God. That's right. Do you know the Declaration, Paul? Naturally. It goes as follows. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. Remarkable, Paul. You're one of the first persons I've ever met that know that much of the Declaration. There's something I have here I'd like to show you. Right in the very first sentence of the Declaration, it states very explicitly that all law flows from God. And then there's another reference to God in the very next sentence. The very next sentence? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Amazing, Paul. And he knows it word for word, too. Here's an odd thing about that second reference to God. It wasn't in the first version at all. It's a straight write-in. Here it is, a photostatic copy of the original draft. The first version said, all men are created equal. And from that equal creation, they derive certain inalienable rights. But apparently, they want to emphasize the point still more. So you can see where Jefferson crossed out the phrase, from that equal creation, they derive certain inalienable rights and wrote in the phrase, they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Now that's not the only change that was made in the Declaration. When it was submitted to the first Congress, they made several changes, several deletions, 
but they insisted on only two editions, and both those editions were references to God, and they're both in the last paragraph. Uh, the last paragraph. The last paragraph. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the World. Very good, Paul. Appealing to the Supreme Judge of the World. That's just the point they want to emphasize. And then again in the last paragraph... And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on divine providence. Thanks a million, Paul. You were a big help. <laughs> no reflection, Paul, but how did you learn all of that? Yeah, I'd like to know, too. Well, the teacher used to keep me in after school a lot. I bet I wrote that in the blackboard 5,000 times. I'll say this for the woman, though. She didn't have me writing cat and dog or Paul was a bad boy. <laughs> she must have a lot of that uh, Christopher purpose we've been talking about. You know, that 1%'s a cozy group. All they want to do is tear the heart out of the Declaration. And that's bad enough, Bill, but they're out to do much more than that. They want to destroy the very pursuit of happiness, the whole reason for being, the joy of living that's come down through 20 centuries of Christianity and for over 3,000 years, the Jews have carried the sublime truth that man is made in the image and likeness of God, that he has an eternal destiny. And all of this stands out ever so much more clearly when you think of what uh, Adolf Hitler and Karl Marx said about uh, their idea of the worth of the human being. Here are Hitler's words. He said, to the Christian doctrine of the infinite significance of the individual human soul, I oppose with icy clarity the saving doctrine of the nothingness and insignificance of the human being. And Karl Marx put it a slightly different way, but his idea was just the same. He said, the democratic concept of man is false because it is Christian. The democratic concept holds that each man is a sovereign being. This is the illusion, dream, and postulate of Christianity then our position is crystal clear, Father. We say man is a creature of God, responsible to God. That one percent say that man is a nobody. Yes, just a nobody worth about a dollar eighty-nine cents, just a bunch of chemicals. And uh, they don't want men to, to know his sacred worth. And that's why they swarm in every field they can to eliminate every trace of man's dignity. They want to wipe it out, eliminate it from the face of the earth. Well, is it correct to say, then, that the uh, Christophers are an anti-communist movement? No, the problem, as we see it, is this. It's getting good people in, getting the good citizen to do his part in saving our country and saving the world. And so, the Christopher approach emphasizes the affirmative, the constructive, doing something positive. We say that it's much more uh, important to chase good people in than is to be too preoccupied chasing evil people out, essential as that is. I don't know how many of you realize it, but according to reliable estimates, 60% of the parents of America don't want their own children to work for their own government. Can you think of any quicker way to wreck any country? Then, on top of that, a million teachers are needed in the schools of America. 6,000 little public schools have closed because of lack of teachers. Fewer and fewer parents are encouraging their children to take up writing careers. 17,000 librarians are needed. Tens of thousands in the social service field. I could go on and on. 
But it's more or less the same old story of what happened in Germany. Most of the good Germans wanted good government, good education, good everything else. But they didn't want to be bothered. They wanted somebody else to do it. You know the old story. Everybody wanted to eat, but nobody wanted to cook. We know who wound up doing all the cooking. <laughs> yes, Jack, and the world has had indigestion ever since. The, the Nazis weren't strong in the beginning, but they swarmed into every vital field. The lines were drawn then, and the lines are drawn now. We're either for God or against God. If it's the latter, we'll pay the penalty and soon. William Penn said something along that line about being ruled by tyrants. I remember... He, yes, he said... Those it, who are not governed by God are ruled by tyrants. Is that what you meant, Irene? Uh, yes, Father. Something like he, he said was what I meant. <laughs> well, anyhow, that's where the Christopher approach comes in. We feel that something can be done and soon. As soon as there are more people turning on lights than they're turning them off, there'll be a wonderful change for the better. Just recently, I finished a quick trip around the country. I gave talks in 23 cities, 95 talks, a little over four weeks. Every place you go, you find wonderful people, all ready and set to do something to change the world for the better. Yes, Father, the woods are full of good people. Now all we have to do is get them out of the woods. <laughs> uh, Father, you mentioned that you had been all over the country and you met some very fine people. Could you give us an example, for instance, of some constructive thing that has been done? I certainly can, Lorette. I can give you hundreds of them. But here's one that I think will interest you in particular. I was down in Texas not long ago, and I met this 23-year-old Baptist school teacher. She said she'd read an article about the Christophers in a magazine. And the point that she liked best was its emphasis on what little people can do to change the world for the better. She said, and it was wonderful to hear the way she said it, she said, you know, for the first time in my life did I realize a little person like myself counts. And then she went on to explain that she was teaching in schools. It was hard work and so forth. But she said, most of the girls I know are getting out of the teaching field. They say there's not enough money in it. The pay is too low. Well, after all, Father, they do have a point. They don't make very much money, do they? That's right. Well, I mean, there's uh, something Father, in Father, uh, is it even a living wage? Well, I think for most it is, Loretta. It's a living wage, but for many not. And that's part of our job, to get a better wage for them, too. But this girl had a very fine solution for the present. She said she was going to stay in there teaching. And moreover, and this was an important point, she said, I'm going to become a committee of one and get as many girls as I can to get in the teaching field. It was wonderful to hear her, her enthusiasm. And then she said, I got my first recruit yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father, uh, tell them the one about the, uh, the young fellow in the, in the gas station. Oh, yes, there's a nice point to that story, Jack. Uh, this young Negro student was working his way through college, trying to support his family. He had a job at a filling station. A little bit of prejudice developed, and oh, about 10 or 12 people stopped buying gasoline. Uh, the man, or oh, the owner of the station, was quite worried. It was only a small business that he had, and he felt that he had let the man go. Word got around, and this little housewife heard about it, and she felt 
she should do something. She'd caught this Christopher idea. She should reach out to the world, and here was a specific opportunity. So in a very nice way, she walked down to the station and asked if there was anything she could do. And this man was so surprised, he said, well, you're the first one that's offered to do anything. Everybody's complaining. Nobody's doing anything. But she said, how many customers would you lose if you kept him? We said, I don't know, about 20, maybe. And she said, if I go out and get you 20 new customers, would you keep him? He said, I certainly will. She went out and got 25 new customers. One of the big magazines picked up the story and carried it to fi at least 15 million readers. I dare say that maybe a million people have done things through her example. She wanted to reach the world. Well, she did reach the world. Father, um, I read a story in Reader's Digest about that Russian school teacher, uh, Madame Kasenkina, wasn't that her name? Now, wasn't that in some way connected with the Christophers? I think that's an ideal story to illustrate what one little person can do. Some time ago, I uh, talked with a young couple who live on a farm in Connecticut about the Christopher idea. Uh, this young couple have a uh, wonderful farm, six children and 64 cows. And when I talked about the Christophers to this uh, lady, she said, listen, we got enough to do right here. And furthermore, we're buried off here in the middle of Connecticut. And I said to her, I said, well, I don't care whether you're buried in the middle of Alaska. You can still do something to help the world. The world needs people like you. Well, I thought I'd hear nothing about it. Six months later, she was sitting at breakfast with her husband and read in the morning paper about this Madame Kasenkina, the Russian school teacher who'd been taken a prisoner. I imagine a hundred million people read about it and uh, said, isn't that too bad? And then turned to the wine ads or something like that. You know the old story. She turned to her husband. She says, Dan, we can't allow a thing like this to happen in our country. Let's do something about it. He said, fine, I'm with you. Her brother, a young lawyer, came up from New York for a quiet weekend. No sooner does he get in the house than Louise goes right at him. She says, Peter, we must do something to help that poor school teacher. He wants to get out of it. He says, forget it. After all, it's not our business. And she turns to him. She says, it isn't our business. If it isn't our business, whose business is it? Well, he was sparked. He went right through with it. He got a group in New York to help him obtain a subpoena. He carried it himself over to the Russian consulate. He stood across the street wondering how he would ever get in the hands of the Russian consul general. He was standing there hoping and praying for something to happen. Something did happen. Up drove the Russian consul general, steps out of his car, hurries up to the front door, and fortunately left his key inside. And he rang the bell. Meanwhile, Pete saw what was happening. He rushes across the street, and it, it was quite a job, but he got the subpoena in the hands of the Russian consul general. Well, everything began to happen. The word of this uh, went all over the world by radio. And by a strange course of events, it went right into the room on the third floor of the Russian consulate, where there had been radio left by accident, and here, seated, a prisoner was this Russian school teacher. She told us afterwards that uh, when she heard her name over the radio, when she looked out and saw hundreds of people milling around outside, she came to just one conclusion. Somebody in America was fighting for her. She didn't know who it was. But it thrilled her so much, she just wanted to jump into America. 
But that, how could she do that? She went to the window, and then she looked out. Here she was on the third floor. But that wouldn't stop her. Nothing was going to stop her if she could just save her life. Anything. She saw a wire stretched across the courtyard. She felt if she could only hit that, it might break her fall and save her. She jumped. She nearly tore off her hand. But it, it broke her fall, and she was very seriously injured. It took her months to recover. But when she did recover, she had only one request. And that was to see the one person who had thought out into the world to help a little person like her. Oh, Father, that's a marvelous story. And that's what the Christophers can do, huh? I could tell you thousands of stories like these. Each one emphasizes over and over again the big things that little people can do. I'm convinced that God will bless any old fool who will try. I don't think he'll bless the smartest person in the world who says it can't be done. You know, our forefathers left us a wonderful pattern, a heritage we should cherish. Each one of us can play a part in preserving it. Yes, you and you and you and everybody else can do something to change the world for the better. Father, you have a customer. You can count on me too, Father. I'm in. I think I can speak for everybody. Why not? You've been doing it all evening. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Father, I think what Paul means is that you don't have to take a vote. You can have a boost from all of us here. Because I really believe that everybody here is thrilled with the idea that all over the country is simple enough and wise enough to know that if you don't belong to the human family, you don't belong to anything. Well, in other words, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That's right, Loretta. Very true. Oh, here's a telegram, Father Kellogg. Oh, Rochester, thank you. Would you mind holding this, please? Not at all. Oh, it's from Bob Hope. He wants me to phone him. Bob? Yeah. Oh, I'll get him for you. I'll get him on the phone. See, he lives right over here in North Hollywood. It's no distance at all, you know. Maybe, but that telegram says from Houston, Texas. Uh, uh, Father, uh, don't you think it would be better to send Bob, uh, you know, uh, write him a letter? Is, you know, sometimes the written word, you can get so much more out of it. You know? Yeah, I know how you feel, <laughs> yeah. Jack, but Bob says phone him and right away. If it makes him. any difference, I'll be glad to. Oh, now, wait a minute. No, no. Now, Father, please, no, I certainly not. I'll get him on the phone for you. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the number? Uh, Jackson, 4219. Mm -hmm. Houston, Texas. I know about Houston. I know. Oh, operator, uh, I'd like to get Mr. Bob Hope, please, in Hu in, in Houston, Texas. Yeah, the number is Jackson 4219. Gee, Jack, I hate to put you to this expense. Oh, it's... It, listen, Father, let me explain something to you. Believe me, on the radio, you know, I'm supposed to be a real cheap, stingy character, you see, but that's only to get laughs, that's all I... <laughs> you know, you have to get laughs, but in, don't confuse that with the real me, because in real life, I'm, I'm not like that at all, you know. <laughs> uh, here he is, Father. Uh, I'm all right. Hello, Bob. How are you? How is it down there? Fine. I hope to get down there myself in a few weeks. How's the weather? You asked him that already. 
Sure. Fine. Did Dolores go with you? Father, ask him what he wants. Uh, uh, Bob, uh, I'm a Jax. Can you make it snappy? Yes, Father. Uh-huh. I can hardly hear you. Well, I have a little... Wait till I turn this Crosby record off. Hey, fellas, will you pipe down? Well, yeah, I talk a long distance to Hollywood. It's expensive. How can I explain it to you? Jack Benny's paying for it. Father, I just saw a miracle. Must be a radio fan. Hey, Father, I'm sorry I wasn't at Jack Benny's house for the meeting. I just want you to know I'm behind this project for the Christophers. Well, it seems like a good idea to me getting the people back to the basic idea behind the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, you couldn't push a better product. Seems to me you don't hear much anymore about the Declaration. All you hear about is the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But let's not forget for a moment that they don't add up to much if you pass up the Declaration. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of folks here in Texas will be behind you. Just their dish. Good luck, Father. Thanks a lot. I'll be seeing you. Bye-bye. Jack, I can't begin to thank you for this. It's marvelous. Don't thank me, Father. I want to thank you for the chance to help out on an idea as important as this. And of all the things you mentioned, the, the one that stands out in my mind is the part about the Declaration of Independence. Jack, it stood out in somebody else's mind, too. I wanted to tell the rest about it, but I didn't dare take any more of their time. I have a copy here of Lincoln's lost speech. If I may, I'd leave it with you. Notice his magnificent language. Just read a bit of that. Hmm. 1858. This was their lofty and wise and noble understanding of the justice of the Creator to his creatures to the whole great family of man. In their enlightened belief, nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and embruted by its fellows. Now, my countrymen, if you have been taught doctrines which conflict with the great landmarks of the Declaration of Independence, if you have listened to suggestions which would take from its grandeur and mutilate the symmetry of its proportions, if you have been inclined to believe that all men are not created equal in those inalienable rights enumerated by our Charter of Liberty, let me entreat you to come back. Return to the fountains whose waters spring close by the blood of the revolution. Think nothing of me. Take no thought for the political fate of any man whomsoever. But come back to the truths that are in the Declaration of Independence. Do not destroy the immortal emblem of humanity, the Declaration of Independence. God bless you, Jack. God bless you for Rochester. Thank you. Thank you.